Good evening, good evening, good evening, my friends, and welcome to a bonus episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And this is a major thank you to all of you. I'm going to make this sweet but short. Short but sweet. Okay, you know what I mean. Anyway, I just received a notification that Terra Radio Podcast has surpassed 50,000 plays. And that includes downloads, downloads, and streams. And I am absolutely over the moon about this. And I couldn't have done it without all of your support. So again, thank you. And as I always say, the best is yet to, yet to come. So, without further ado, this is Terra Radio. I'm featuring three radio plays tonight for your enjoyment. The first is Don't Joke in the Morgue. And this was first broadcasted on in 1969 on Beyond Midnight radio series. Following that is the radio play Calling All Souls, which was first broadcasted on the radio show Quiet Please on November 31st, 1948. And we conclude with the radio play The Spectre of Dinston Castle. And that was first broadcasted on the radio series Hall of Fantasy on May 11th. 1953. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Don't Joke in the Morgue, followed by Calling All Souls, and concluding with Spectre of Distant Castle. Side note, Spectre of Distant Castle, sound is a bit low, so you may need to turn up the volume for this one. I hope you all enjoy. It was a dull night, and in the dingy little room at headquarters where the reporters on the police beat gathered, Bradley, of the Express, tired of playing three-handed stud and waiting for something to happen. Ah, I've had it. What do you mean, you've had it? I've had it. H-A-D-F-I-T-F. I've had it. The man's had it. Yep. I guess I've had it, too. I reckon I'll go home. Yeah. Uh, hey, tell you what. Let's play a joke on old Pop. Huh? Let's play a joke on old Pop. Pop Henderson was the night attendant on duty at the morgue in the basement of the building. Funny place to play a joke. Funny person to play a joke on. Pop 
Henderson, watchman of the morgue. But Bradley was like that, you see. He was a jokester. And that's how it all began. The hour had gone long beyond midnight. Biotex. The new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McCabe. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. If you have wondered how to get your washing really stain-free, understand this. Biotex removes the stains and dirt washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, tiresome collar and cut stains, ingrained dirt, soil and grime. Out they all come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cotton, silks, woolens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt, but washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. How about what? Let's get old Pop a little bit, huh? What do you say? No, I'll leave old Pop alone. He's not very bright. Should have been retired years ago. Slow-witted. So he's slow-witted. Well, you gotta be working in the morgue. <laughs> so who cares? So he's slow-witted. I got a gag. B.O.F. Morgan? Uh, let's go and get old Pop a bit, huh? Uh, I don't care. I've had enough. I gotta wait till the paper's gone to bed. Sure. What? Kind of joke, Bradley. A <laughs> joke, boy. Wait and see. He's an old guy. He's never Bradley. been retired, anyhow. His age, huh? Well, he's got obligations. Got to work. Wife's an invalid. He needs the dough. Now, what does he do all night long in the morgue, then? Read? Does he read or something? Read? You can't see your hand three feet from his face. No, he don't read. Listen to the radio? How should I know? Well, how about it, huh? Night watchman in a morgue. Well, little Johnny, what do you want when you're all grown up and leave school? Please, teacher, I want to be night watchman at the city morgue. <laughs> Come on, you guys. It's a bad night. Need something. Huh? What do you say? What do you say, Morgan? Morgan the morgue. Ah, <laughs> uh, now, leave Pop alone. He's old. So he's old, for Pete's sake. So everybody don't laugh anymore just because they get old? Come on. Oh, yeah, why not? Come on, let's go on down. See old Pop. Boy, Hey, maybe Pop's got booze down in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I get all those new clockers and dump stacks in the dog. He keeps bottles and bottles of my whiskey there for the picket. <laughs> Bradley was an inveterate practical joker. He had a reputation for thinking up original gags. To him, it was the joke that counted. He didn't care whom it was on. Pop Henderson sat in his tiny office. He was long past retiring age, but he had commitments. He didn't read or listen to the radio. He just sat night after night waiting for his shift to be over. 
Along one wall of the main room were 20 compartments, about 18 by 24 inches, just big enough to hold a full-grown man, providing, of course, he had no intention of turning over. And no one who occupied one of the compartments ever did. They were refrigerated, with the temperature below freezing. Hey there, Pop. We'd like to see number 11. Just had a tip. He may be that missing New York banker. Number 11? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What are you going to do, Brad? Shut up. Uh, yeah, number 11, Pop. There you are, boy. Is it the one you're looking for? Yeah. Looks like him, okay. Now, listen, get the record on this guy for us, Pop, will you? Okay, Mr. Bradley. Okay. Okay, Morgan, come with me. Fur, you go with Pop. Keep him in the office. Furness followed the old man out, and Bradley and Morgan got busy preparing for the joke. Furness kept Pop in the office, pretending to look through the papers of number 11, until Morgan came in. Oh, there's no need to bother, Pop. Yeah, I guess we, we made a mistake. You can put 11 back to bed. Come on, Fur. Let's go back. Play a few more hands. Okay. The two newspaper men went back upstairs, and Pop methodically put away the papers in their file. Then, with the same slow, unhurrying movements of a man who is waiting out his life on a job, he trudged back into the big morgue room toward the open compartment, the extended slab, and the sheeted figure lying on it. He was a dozen feet from it when the sheet stirred, <laughs> and the sheeted figure slowly sat up. Where am I? What have you done to me? What have you done to me? You tried to kill me. Wait, six. He's alive. He's come back. Ah, that one took me. What is it? Come on, come on, come on. You scared the pads off him, okay? <laughs> now, come on, get the cards out quick before the sergeant gets down here. His ulcers give him the worst disposition in the state, and he will be sore. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You should have seen his face. <laughs> hey, what's the matter with you guys, huh? Great gag. Morgan. You look like it's Christmas and you don't have a dime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, <laughs> ha. Funny, funny, huh? Some cut up, huh? The real comic kids from Funnyville. Great. I'm laughing like I'm dying. 
Did you see his face? <laughs> He's as sore as a boil on a camel's back. <laughs> hey, what's the matter with you two guys? Can't you laugh at a joke? Yeah, I'm going out. If the shop calls, tell them I'm checking the story. Ah, sore head. Well, maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all. Oh, well, I guess I'll go out and have a quick one and go home. Faber's gone to bed anyway. Now, hey, why? Come on, play cards, something. No, 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 I don't want to play cards. Yeah, but you can't go home. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, okay? Sure, sure, great. You give a couple of guys a laugh and they don't want to know no more. Like laughs is easy to come by in this lousy place. See ya, Brad. Yeah, see ya, happy guy. Don't see something funny outside and bust your sides. <sighs> Hate a guy who can't take a joke. <clears throat> go home to bed. Who wants to go home to bed? I don't want to go home to bed. not have done that, Mr. Bradley. Gave me a bad turn. I don't mind that. The thing is, you got me into trouble with Sergeant Roberts. He keeps complaining about me anyhow. And me busting in on him just now got him real mad. Yeah, well, you see, Pop, When I... we got down there and found all the corpses just like they should be, first he said I was imagining things. Then when I said you press fellas had just been dying... He figured out it was just one of your jokes. Yeah, Pop, well, there he it is. if I fell for any more jokes or made any more mistakes, he'd see to it I'd have to resign, like I should have done years ago. And I can't resign. I gotta have the money. So, Mr. Bradley, no more jokes, please. Bradley looked around him at the dingy little office and felt bad. Not for what he'd done to Pop, but because the night had suddenly turned sour on him. His friends had gone and Bradley felt lonely and unwanted and a bit stupid. Yeah, well, I guess that was the fastest that old man's moved for more than 20 years. <laughs> guess I'll ring the paper and go home. And that was Bradley's biggest mistake. He should have gone home. He should have gone home there and then. If he had, what happened after in the morning small hours wouldn't have happened. But it did happen. Because Bradley, you see, was a jokester with no taste. No taste at all. I feel like a new man. It's a lovely day today. I thought and you had flu. I took a grandpa headache powder, and I'm well better. When colds and flu are about, grandpa headache powders are what you need. Grandpa headache powders work fast because they dissolve almost immediately. Grandpa makes all those dreadful flu symptoms disappear quickly. So, whenever you're in pain, get fast relief. Get grandpa headache powder. <laughs> 
Desk, please. Extension. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, thanks. Oh, hi. City Desk. Express. Bradley. Ah, uh, all quiet here. Paper gone to bed. Ah, good. Okay. I'm going home. Don't look for me until tomorrow. So... Bradley, the jokester, thinks of a gag. 
He bends over, as if to tie his shoelace. Deftly, he slips a match in between the sole and the upper of the little drinker's shoe. He lights the match and straightens up again and orders another drink. Give me another bartender, if you please. Sure. Hey, watch. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? The little leathery man hopped and skipped and frantically tried to put up the burning match in his shoe. Then he saw Bradley laughing. And without another word, he swung. Bradley just had time to feel a wicked snap somewhere at the base of his skull and all the lights went out for him. Big slob, give me a hot foot. Me, Kid Wilkins. Hit him kind of hard, Kid. He's lying awful. Ah, just a left of the mouth. Losing a couple of teeth, that's all. Next time he'll think twice when he goes around playing them kind of gags. Yeah. But his head, it's twisted kind of funny. Just suppose. Yeah. Kid. He's dead. <laughs> Dead as a nice smelt. Dead? What? It was an accident. I didn't hit him hard. After hard. It was an accident, see? Sure, kid, sure. Accident. Wait. I'm gonna make what the place is close. Accident? That's all it was. Get up, you slob. This ain't good, kid. I've got enough trouble with the cops without nobody dying in here. And you, you've got a couple of assault and battery charges done, and again, you're ready. Kid, this ain't just bad. This is no good at all. This slob's a reporter from the Express. A reporter? Almost as bad as a cop. to give me a hot foot, and I have to hit him. I need to break his lousy neck. Why? Tell me why. Never mind the why. I've got an idea. We gotta get him out of here. Over by the docks, we'll dump him. Make it look like he got mugged. Or maybe he was plastered and took a bad dump. Yeah, yeah, Mike. My ship sails 6 a.m. I just won't come back to this port. If anybody traces him here, he went out and it when you're locked up. You don't know from nothing. That's it. Come on. First, we take all his stuff. So they'll take longer identifying him. Yeah. Then we take him out, okay? Okay, Mike, okay. Anything you say. Bradley regained consciousness abruptly, semi-consciousness rather enough to know he was still alive. He tried to move, but his body was numb, and his muscles would not obey. He felt no pain, no sensations of any kind. He couldn't even be sure in what position he was lying, though he thought it was on his back.
That vertebra that got twisted way back in high school when I was playing football. It's twisted again. This is like... Like when I spent a month in bed that time. I couldn't hardly move at all. Swelled up like that. Nobody knew you. Never. My lad. I'm a 
doctor. Pop. Pop Henderson looked troubled and uncertain. Then he picked up the sheet and folded it. Mr. Bradley, I told you before. No more jokes. Once tonight is enough, Mr. Bradley. Once is enough. And he spread the sheet over the recumbent figure, covering it. Sarge Roberts wouldn't stand for me getting fooled again. No, Mr. Bradley. Not twice the same night. And unhurriedly, he pushed the sliding slab into the compartment and closed the door marked 12. turned the knob that held it shut. <sighs> and with the body of Bradley wrapped in its sheet and safely behind the door of compartment 12, the old morgue night watchman, Pop Henderson, plodded back to his office and sat down to wait patiently for the end of his shift. How to get your washing really stain-free, understand this. Biotex removes the stains and dirt washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, tiresome color and cup stains, ingrained dirt, soil and grime. Out they all come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cotton, silks, woolens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt, but washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Beyond Midnight is presented every Friday night at half past nine by Biotex, the new soak and pre-wash powder. The program is adapted for broadcasting and produced by Michael McCabe. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, 
which is written and directed by Willis Cooper, and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, please, for today is called Calling All Souls. I tell you what happened last Halloween. Or All Souls, or All Hallows, or whatever you call it in your part of the country. I bet you can't guess where I was. Well, I was a couple of places. But where I started... I was sitting in a tight little room in a great big house. You ever been west? Well, you know when you cross the Mississippi River on the Santa Fe from Illinois to Iowa? About four or five hours out of Chicago? Fort Madison, Iowa? Ever notice that great big place right alongside the riverbank to your right? The big high walls and the towers and the big gates? That's right, the Iowa State Prison. That's where I was last Halloween. In a little cell. Oh, very comfortable. All by myself. Waiting. And not much more time to wait. Sure. The death cell. I was just sitting there playing solitaire on the edge of my bed, trying not to think of what was coming up and thinking of nothing else but that. I was pretending I'd paid the house $52 for the deck and the house would pay off $5 for every card I got up in the top row. I was $32 to the good this particular hand. I didn't hear anybody come up. I didn't hear anybody except the guard walking around till this voice spoke to me. Red nine on the ten of clubs, Lewis. Oh, Hello, Dobby. Yeah, that's right. Coming in? Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. So far. How are you? All right. Sit down. Yeah. No soap, huh? down. That's right. What'd he say? Oh, a lot of things. What? What's the difference? He said no. It's tough, Delbert, when I didn't do it. It's tough on me, too, Lewis. Yes, but they're not going to hang you. I begged him to give you a two-week stay, at least, but he said his conscience wouldn't let him. Conscience, huh? He said if he felt I could turn up anything at all in two weeks, he'd be tempted to give you the benefit of the doubt. You've had three stays now. Could you turn up anything? Lewis. Yeah, I know. I've done everything I could. I know. But I didn't do it, Delbert. I know you didn't. But proving it. You want to play cards? I guess I don't want to play either. Well... I've done my very best, Lewis. My very level best. I know, I know. It's pretty tough on me, though. Ain't it? Certainly is. No hope at all? No hope at all. No witnesses? Plenty of motive? Your fingerprints all over everything? I remember. Only I didn't do it. Who did you? Got any idea, Lewis? No idea at all. I thought maybe. I just opened the door after I'd knocked a dozen times. I just opened the door. There they were on the floor, I told you. I know. And I was so shocked. You know, 
Well, I couldn't help it. I tried to... That's how I got the fingerprints all over. You told me. I... I admit I didn't like Harris. I didn't go for Etta very much either. But I didn't kill him, Delbert. You told me. I just went out there to ask him to let me have however, however much he could of that $2,000 he owed me for the pigs. You should have made all those statements about how you were going to get the money or else. I know it. He shouldn't have gone through his desk looking for the money either. I don't know why the Dickens you did that. Well, well I don't know either, but I was... I said I was shocked. I just thought this was a good way to get the money. If I could find it, nobody would know, I figured. I knew if I didn't get it then, I'd never get it. They were lying there on the floor. Lewis, listen, it was pretty hard to convince a jury you didn't do it with them lying on the floor and you going through the desk and blood spots on your suit and everything. I know it, Delbert. I was crazy to do it. But I didn't murder him. I know that, I told you. Delbert. Are they sure enough going to hang me? Unless... Unless what? They discover new evidence. Where are they going to discover that? They'll have to do it awful fast. Where are they going to discover it? You tell me. There isn't any more evidence. Whoever really did it covered his tracks too good. I'll say he did. Oh, you smooched it up, fooling around? Oh, my gosh, Delbert, I was just trying to see if I could help. And seeing if you could find the money, Harris O'Jay. Well, I know it was foolish, Honestly, but... Honestly, Lewis, now, you wouldn't expect anybody in his right mind to believe your story, But it's true, you? I tell you. I know it's true, but I couldn't make the jury believe it. Or the governor. How do you know it's true? What? How do you know it's true? Why, I just know it, Lewis. I've seen murderers before, you know. You... Don't think I'm a murderer? Of course not. Delbert, don't you really think there's a chance of uncovering some new evidence? Really? I think the only people who saw the murder, the only people who know who did it, are Harris and Etta themselves. But they're dead. That's right. They're dead, Lewis. Look, uh, what I stopped in for, I... Uh, you want me to ask Father McIntyre to come around and see you now? Thirteen steps up with your hands fastened behind you. Thirteen steps. Stop and turn around. The man says, stand here. Look down the thirteen steps at the reporters, the doctor with a stethoscope hanging around his neck. Feel a man tying your feet together. Feel the floor give a little underfoot. See how the man stays away from the little trapdoor, reaching out to make the rope tight around your ankles. Listen. Father McIntyre's voice in your ear. A little rustling behind you and a black hood over your head and you can't see anymore. But you can feel... Feel the rope as it brushes against your neck a little hairy and creepy crawly on your skin. The weight of the knot, nine turns on your shoulder. The floor gives a little underfoot. No. I can't. I, I can't. I thought I didn't do it. I tell you, I didn't do it. All I could think of was what my lawyer said, what Delbert said before he got up and opened the door and went away. The only people who saw the murder. 
The only people who know who did it are Harris and Etta themselves. And Harris and Etta knew I didn't do it. Maybe they didn't know who it was that did it, but they did know that I didn't do it. Maybe they didn't. And maybe they did. Maybe they did know. Maybe they could tell me. Maybe they could discover some new evidence, the way Delbert put it. Maybe they could tell me where to go, who to look for, what I'd find. I could tell it all to Delbert. He could go tell the governor I'd get a stay. Maybe the evidence would be good enough so I'd... So they'd let me go. Maybe they wouldn't hang. But Harris is dead. And that is dead. I saw them dead on the floor of their house when I went... And they accused me of murdering them. They found me guilty. I'm in the death cell, waiting. Harris, Hedda, don't let me die. Don't let them. Hedda, Harris, have mercy on my soul. And when I heard the bell tolling somewhere in the distance, I remembered. I remembered what night this was. This was All Souls' Night. This was the night when the souls of the weary dead walked the earth again. I remembered when graveyards yawn and tombs give up their dead. And the sound of the bell tolling away in the darkness of early evening... Calling all souls. Calling all souls. And I wondered if my soul had to leave my body when I walked up the 13 steps and after. If my soul had to leave my body then, why... Could it not leave my living body for a while and go seeking after the others that stepped from the tomb this night? The souls of the weary dead, the souls of the unhappy dead, the murdered, the kindly souls that knew. Then I sat down again quietly. The fit of deadly terror was gone for a moment. I was exhausted and weak. I closed my eyes and the sound of a distant bell faded out as I thought. Why can't it be possible, I thought. All these things are not mere superstition. There's some foundation in every belief, I thought. I, I can't die. I'm innocent, I thought. And only those two know the truth. Calling all souls, I repeated again to myself. Calling all souls. And I stood up. I stood up in that brightly lighted, sorrowful place. And as I rose, I turned to look behind me. And there, on the bed, still in an attitude of despair, sat my body. of darkness, the place faded away, the stone walls and the iron bars and the bare narrow bed, the man in prison uniform seated motionless on its edge. And I stood alone, 
in the darkness of a place I knew. Tall marble sheds gleaming faintly in the starlight. Curving gravel roadways hedge-bordered. And the scent of moldering flowers in the darkness. The dry rustle of a weather-beaten flag at the head of a low mound beside me. And loneliness. All aloneness pressing inward upon me like a living thing. The eve of all souls. And suddenly, quietly in the cold shadows, little, little whispers of innumerable voices. The voices of the wandering souls that hastened past me, seeking their dusty desires across the face of the world they once all knew. And then a voice, speaking to me in the dark, speaking my name in the darkness, calling me. And another voice. Lewis. And I knew I had one, for these were the voices of the two they said I murdered. Why, of course you didn't, Lewis. Of course you didn't. And a little child, a little boy, ran up in the darkness and took my hand and laughed to hear my name. Do you remember little Tommy, our little boy that died when he was sick? And I remembered. And in the darkness I saw many another I'd all but forgotten. Charlie Cullum that was killed at Romaine in the Argonne 30 years ago. Albert Newhouse, my Boy Scout comrade that drowned so many years ago. Grace Williams who died at her husband's hand. Crowds and crowds of the ones who had gone before spending this their brief holiday on their well-loved earth. And I, the only living soul among them, spending my brief moment with them to seek my life from them. On All Souls Eve a year ago. I said, help me. And Etta answered me. What is there we can do now, Louis? You know I didn't kill you, Etta. Of course. Of course. They're going to hang me for it. You didn't do it. But how can I prove it? Delbert said if we could find new evidence. There's plenty of evidence, Louis, to be found. Where? How? Why, let me see. He found the money. That's why you couldn't find it, Lewis. But if he found the money, it must be gone by now. No, he has some of it left. But what good does that do? Why, there's a list of the numbers of the bills somewhere. They looked for it. They, they couldn't find it. Have them look in the bedroom, Lewis, behind the third drawer in my chest of drawers. I know where it is. It fell down there. Oh, that... That's wonderful. That... But what good will it do now? Unless we know... Unless you tell me... There's plenty of evidence, Lewis, if you'll just look for it. He ripped his coat on the catch of the living room door. There's threads there that could be identified. You know who did it? You know who did it? Yes, we know. Yes, we know. Then tell me. Tell me, and I'll see... Delbert will see that he confesses. Look, I, I tell you they're going to hang me for it. Do you hear? Tell me! Oh. And you still hate me. And you haven't learned mercy since... Since you... You're going to let me die because you hated me while you were alive. Lewis. You're going to carry it beyond the grave. You're going to keep it to yourself and let me hang. 
You hated us, Louis. Yes, I hated you, and I hate you now. Ghost or no ghost, soul or no soul, I... No. No, Harris, have pity on me. It's all over now. There's no use hating me. Don't you hate the man that killed you? Don't you? No, Louis, no. We don't hate him. But you hate me. You're going to let me die. You know I'm innocent. You're going to let me die just because we didn't like each other on earth. Lewis, listen to us. There's no such thing as hate anymore with us. Then why don't you give me a chance to live? Go back, Lewis. Go back to your body. Go back. Go back. To die. Dying isn't so bad, Lewis. You don't see any unhappiness among all these souls, do you? I don't want to die. You'd rather save your life for a while at the expense of somebody else's life? But I'm not guilty. And he is. Go back, Lewis. Go back. I won't go back till you tell me who killed you. Listen to me, Lewis. You're tampering with things that... Things that you have no right to know. Your soul has left your body before its time. You have come upon secrets that no living man should know. Your body is waiting for you. Go back to it while there's time. While there's time. It is only this one night that souls may walk the earth. And when morning comes... Well, when morning comes, if you are still here... Lewis, I can make you no promises. Go back, Lewis. Tell me the man's name. No, Lewis. No, it's none of your affair. None of my affair. Don't you understand what I said to you? They're going to hang me. None of my affair. Listen. There was no need for you to send your soul out seeking us, Lewis. I don't get that. We have been waiting for this night, Lewis. Well? Tell him, Harris. He, he will have to come with us now. Yes, that is the law. You should not have come here. Lewis, there is still time, but only a little time. If you go back now... I won't go back. I won't go back until you tell me. You have no right here, you know, Lewis. But I'm here. And now it is too late. Yes. You will have to come with us. Where are you going? Tell him, Harris. We are going to visit the man who murdered us. You what? I told you there was no need for you to come here, Lewis. We have a way of taking care of this man. I don't know what you mean. Haven't you ever heard of haunting, Lewis? Come with us now, Lewis. No. You must come. You're really going to haunt him? And make him confess? We are going to appear to him, Lewis. What he will do, we cannot say. But when he sees us... Well, then I'm going back to the prison. No. No. I'll go back and I'll call the warden. I'll get Delbert. Tell him that there'll be a confession. Delbert will get me a stay of execution. Then when he confesses, I'll be... Who is it, Harris? Come with us and you will see. No, I'm, I'm going back to the prison. I told you, get things all set up. No, you changed your mind too late, Lewis. Too late? Why? I... No, Lewis. You have meddled too much. You have gone too far. The souls of the living have no place here. But you have come. We 
told you to go back while there was time, Lewis. Yes, but now you must come with us. No. No. I want to go back. Come, Lewis. face of the sleeping starlit world with the tiny lights of the living far below us. The broad peaceful farmlands, the sleeping cities, the broad breast of the great river far below us. The universe throbbing with strange, compelling song. And above us, around us, the sense of a million souls, a million, a myriad, a countless multitude returning joyously to their single night upon the earth they loved. And I looked up in the clearness of the haunted night. And above me, the endless pathway of the Milky Way glowed with a strange splendor. And Etta plucked my sleeve. The pathway of the souls, Lewis. The way we all return. And I saw the features of the ones I had loved. Of strangers, of men and women and little children. Of boys in ragged uniforms, of bearded ancients and smiling babes in their mother's arms. And on their faces in a sparkling night, an expression of awful eagerness, of long-awaited realization that this night they would once again rest upon the mortal earth. And I, even I, the only living soul amongst all the multitude of the dead, even I felt an overpowering desire to set my feet again this moment upon the reality of earth. And I closed my eyes for a moment. And when I opened them, we three were in a room. And on a bed there was a sleeping man. Where are we? Is this the man? This is the man. This is the man. Who is he? Go and look. I... No. Go and look. I don't want to... Go and look, Lewis. You must go and look, Lewis. He lay there, sleeping as innocently as any child. The covers were drawn up about his face as if he were shutting out some childish fancy of boogeyman in the dark. But I knew him for a wicked, guilty man. The man who held my own life in jeopardy. Look at him, Lewis. Look at him, Lewis. And I lifted up the comforter that hid his face and bent down to look at him. Wake up. Lewis! Lewis, what are you doing here? 
he came with us, Delbert. Harris! Harris and Etta, Delbert. No! Now go away! You're ghosts! We are human souls, Delbert. Come to hear your testimony. No! No, I won't tell you anything! You murdered them, didn't you, Delbert? No! You murdered us, Delbert. No! No, I... Confess, Delbert. I didn't do it! You did do it! You, Lewis! You can't be here! Confess! Well, I... Confess. Lewis must hear you, Delbert. Lewis! Lewis, I did do it! I killed him, Lewis! I murdered him! I knew I could throw the blame on you! I knew I could get you convicted and I could save myself! I hated him too, Lewis! Oh, Lewis! Lewis, forgive me! Lewis, forgive me! May I forgive you, Delbert? Ask Harris and Etta to forgive you. Harris! We have already forgiven you, Delbert, but you have done a great wrong to Lewis. You will be punished, Delbert. I'll confess. I'll fall to prison. I'm going back to my body now in the prison. Lewis, uh, thank you. Forgive me. Thank you, Harris. Etta. Lewis. I'm going back. Oh, Harris. You... Wait, Lewis. What? Lewis. Be quiet, murderer. What, Harris? You can't go back, Lewis. I can't go back. Why, what have I... What? You must stay. Stay? Stay? Why must I stay? My body's back there in the prison waiting for me. I've got to go back and live. No, Lewis. Why? Tell me why. Everything's all... What's the matter? You tell him, Delbert. Lewis. Well... Lewis, they hanged you half an hour ago. Today's Quiet Please story is Calling All Souls. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. And the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Kermit Murdoch played Delbert. Harris and Atta were respectively Ralph Schoolman and Mary Patton. Mr. Cooper and I are very grateful for the superb efforts of Albert Berman, who was always responsible for our Quiet Please music. Now, for a word about next week, here is our writer director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet, Please, again. Next week, I have a story for you called Adam and the Darkest Day. And so, until next week, at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. reminder. David Harding Counterspy is a name that means action, excitement, drama. Each time his efficient law enforcement organization exposes another racket. Hear Counterspy this afternoon over these ABC stations. 
This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. WJZ, New York's first station. WJZ AM and FM. We open our show this time with a broadcast from 1953 of the Hall of Fantasy. This episode is entitled, The Spectre of Denton Castle. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friend. We shall descend the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths with a veil of time to slip, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Spectre of Denson Castle. It began quietly enough. I'd arrived home about a quarter to six. Laura was in the kitchen cooking dinner. Laura, I'm home, honey. Glad to have you back, Mr. Denson. Uh, any mail? I have paper at the dining room table. And there's one from England, David. England? That's right. I put it on the top. Do you know anybody in England, David? Mm, no. Dad used to have some relatives over there, but I never knew them, or even wrote to them, for that matter. Well, for goodness sake, open it. All right, Laura. What does it say? I'll read it to you. Dear Mr. Denson, as executor of your late uncle, the Earl of Hartcourt's estate, my firm has been trying to locate you for the past six months. After an exhaustive search, we have discovered that you are the only heir remaining in the Denson line. You are legal heir to Denson Castle, the estate, and the title of Earl of Harcourt. Please contact us as soon as possible. You're an Earl. I can't believe it. Maybe someone's playing a joke on it. It's a pretty elaborate joke, David. That letter came from the town of um, Lister, England. Mm. I don't think it is a joke. I think it's actually true. I wonder... I wonder how much it's worth. Yeah. Everything. The state, the castle. I don't know, but you'd better get in touch with him right away. The letter's signed by uh, Anthony Clendenic. I'll write him tonight. Well, just think of it, David. You're an earl. Oh, I, I don't feel any different. You'd better get back to your dinner or it'll burn. That was the way it began. The letter from a town in England I'd never heard of. From a man I'd never seen. I wrote him that evening saying that I had received his letter and was waiting to hear what more he had to say. Three weeks later, he received a reply. What did he say? He wants me to come to England. It's when? So it's possible. What are you going to do? Well, uh, my vacation comes up in June. Maybe I could uh, move it ahead. You've got three weeks coming. We could fly over. Yes, and if we needed more time, I could take an extra week without paying. Oh, the way you're talking, you'll expect to return right away. Uh, you can't tell what we'll find, Laura. Oh, but you're going to go, aren't you? Of course. But don't get your hopes up too high, though. We don't know what we'll find over there. We cleared ourselves with the authorities, wrote from Denning, and told him to meet us in London. A month after we had received the second letter, we landed in England. Denning was there, waiting for us. 
Of course, when the Earl died, I began to search for his heir. I've actually been solicitor for many years, you see. And in this world, he named me executor of the estate. Ah, see? You'll be able to see the castle in just a moment. We're almost there. Would you care to examine it before we go to my office in this trip? Well, I... David, let's do it. All right. If you don't mind, Mr. Mundelein, that's all. I'll turn you to the room here. Yes, now you can see it. Why, breathtaking. Like something out of two days. Well, hardly that old, Mrs. Denson. The castle has stood since the late 1700s. I'll take you on a tour of the castle as soon as we get there. Anyway, why don't you enjoy the view? All the land you see. It's yours, you know. I'm afraid it's getting rather late. We should be going. I'm sorry that I've been so insistent, Mr. Clendenning, but I've never been in a castle before, especially one we own. I hope you feel as happy about it in the future. Well, what do you mean? Uh, nothing, really. How old was my uncle when he died? 35. Well, then he wasn't much older than David. That's correct. How did he die? Accidentally? We think so. You think so? Yes, it's right. It's getting rather dark. Here we go. Uh, not yet. How did he die, Mr. Clendenning? Is it he was murdered? Oh, no. Murdered? Yes, not in the ordinary way. Very dark outside. Shall we go? Where did that ring come from? I don't know. A woman in a long gown walking toward her. Beware. Beware, well, Spectre is your name. Who is that, Pendleton? They call her the Spectre of the From the Golden Age of Radio Theater, you're listening to the Hall of Fantasy. We'll continue in just a moment. You said you wanted your film developed in one hour. Yeah. So what do you do with your time? Rope it. You don't work out. Bake a cake. You don't cook. I stop. Right. That's where we're going to Kmart. Kmart's one-hour film developing is more than quick. It's big four-inch prints on quality Kodak paper. Got the picture? Yep. And I got a full card. See, you can stop and develop film all at once. I can walk in your gum, too. Overachiever. You can blow up. Mm. Sometimes I can tap my head and love my stuff. That's a big Kmart. I admit it, I love to talk, especially to my best friend in Canada. Well, someone must have told AT&T, because now I can call Canada for just nine cents a minute when I dial direct, all weekend long for six whole months. Plus, AT&T offers competitive rates on all my calls in the U.S. and Canada all week long. It's great to have a friend like AT&T. Because of the rate like nine cents a minute to Canada, I get to do more of what I like to do best. Talk. Enrollment required. AT&T, your true choice. And now back to the specter of Denston Castle. Anthony Pendenning has taken us on a quick tour of Denston Castle. It had grown late and the sky had darkened from the shades of day to those of night. Pendenning was anxious to leave and we were on the point of doing so when we saw her. The specter of Denston Castle. Who is that, Pendenning? They call her the specter of Denston Castle. If the name is Denston Beware, Mr. Clendenning. He 
gone. She just seemed to disappear. Where did she go? She was here in this room with us. She didn't use any door. Where did she go? You know what the word specter means, don't you, student? Of course. An apparition, a ghost. You don't expect me to believe that the woman we saw was a ghost, do you? Yes, I do. I don't believe you. Maybe he's right, David. Suddenly, it was so cold in here, and then that woman appeared. Just as if she materialized out of the air itself. Maybe it was what he says it was. Believe me, I'm telling you the truth. Now, if you don't mind, perhaps you'd better leave now. All right. I reserved a room for you at the inn at this place. First, I want you to come to my office, and I'll tell you as much as I can about the strange occurrences here at Tesselin. You didn't mention anything like that when you first contacted us. There was no need. Uh, thanks. I'll tell you everything I know as soon as we get the list. And you can decide for yourself what you want to do. But I'll tell you this much now. Every Winston who has resided here at Kessel is that strange and violent death. Within 30 minutes, we had dropped our luggage off at the inn and had gone to Clendenning's office. Even there, the effect of what he had seen was still with him. And his eyes would occasionally seem to be staring right through us, seeing something that terrified him. You said you'd tell us a story, Mr. Clendenning. Yes. What did you mean by every Jensen who resided at the castle died of strange and violent death? That's what I said. Your father escaped the curses against him. He left England after the first war when he was quite young. He died a few years ago, isn't that correct? Yes. He would have been heir to the title where he still did it. It appears you are the last of the Densons. There's a curse in your family, Mr. Denson. When you are dead, the curse will be fulfilled. What do you mean by that? That was the curse the witch called forth as he died in the train. The what? Listen to the story. When I finish, then you can ask me any question you like. Go ahead. Thank you. Denson Castle was built by the first Earl of Harcourt in the year 1763, almost 200 years ago. At that time, in this area, the title made Richard Denson judge, jury, and executioner for any wrong committed. He is responsible to the kings for safekeeping and management of this area. For three years, everything went well. But in 1770, there appeared in the town of Vicksburg one Annabelle Gillis. There were whispered stories about Annabelle, that she was in league with the devil that she had signed a pact with him to give her power, which in turn she would use in his service. He was taken before Richard Denson, the first Earl of Harcourt.
Major Jensen, the first Earl of Harcourt, died exactly a year to the day that Annabel Davis died. He hung himself. Unless under this, each of those who have held the title have died strange and violent death. How did my uncle die? His fellow was pushed in the battlements of Jensen's castle. How terrible. Oh, of course, No one is certain of that. One of the servants said he saw the specter suddenly appear behind the earl. But the earl turned and saw it, began backing away. But the specter kept moving towards him until the earl fell or was put in the deck. Did anyone else see what happened? I'm afraid not. Possibly the servant is lying. Perhaps he was responsible for my uncle's death. I'd like to see him. I'm afraid that would be impossible. Why? The servant died. Then I'd ask you don't following morning, we went back to his office to see him. Well, what have you decided to do, Mr. Denson? How do you mean? Are you going to claim the title of the estate? Mr. Clendenning, what happens to it if we don't? To be absolutely truthful with you, I am named as author there. I see. I'm afraid you don't see, Mr. Denson. Perhaps you have it in your mind that I'm trying to frighten you away. You're wrong if you think that. Of course we don't think that. Of course. When do you want to establish residence at the capital? As soon as possible. Everything there is in good order. I should like to move out there today. I see. Do you want service? Yes. I'll engage them for you, then. If you'll go back to the inn and pack your things, I'll have you moved out to Denston Castle by early afternoon. And Benning hired three servants for us. A butler, a maid, and a cook. It was quite an event. That night, eating dinner in Denston Castle. We went up to bed about 11. I woke up about one. I heard the sound of the clock ticking in Laura's regular breathing. I tried to see through the darkness of the room. I felt that something or someone was in there with us. I heard the sound of the wind again. And then she appeared in a pool of shimmering light. She raised her arms and pointed towards me. This is my second warning. You who are the last of the dead Leave this place. Leave it. Or you shall die. Just as have all the others. Later this hour, the Abbott and Costello Show on the Golden Age of Radio Theater. This is Detective Joe Pinkerton inviting you to join me on a special Nostalgia Radio cruise celebrating the Golden Age of Radio with the Nostalgia Cruise along the Mississippi River. That's right. We're going to be sailing the Mississippi River with Victor Ives, visiting the Southern Plantations, Civil War Sites, Natchez, and New Orleans from February 6th through February 14th, 1997. So bring your sweetheart so you can enjoy live Nostalgia Radio shows and the favorite radio character costume party and other parties as well, sweetheart. Cost per person includes airfare. And if you're booked before August 15th, it's only $16.99 per person for an inside cabin with two lower beds. Remember, your cruise includes all meals, overnight in New Orleans, and transportation. So call 1-800-767-1977 today. That's 1-800-767-1977. Once again, join us in the Hall of Fantasy. The first night we were staying at the castle, we'd gone to bed about 11. At 1 o'clock, I'd awakened. I felt that something was in the room watching us. Suddenly, as if from nowhere, she stood there in the room. And she raised her arm and pointed at me. Leave Jensen Castle. 
Or you can die. Don't say hand all the others. I thought you were asleep. I thought. I heard something. Well, that's what you heard. She turned. She's moving. She's gone. Just as if she vanished into the air itself. Oh, David, I'm afraid. Good morning, my lord. Huh? There's the Earl of Harcourt now, you know. I will be as soon as the court recognizes your fame. Well, forget that for a while. And Denning, do you know if there's a plan, a blueprint of the layout of the castle? I think that's what you want them for. I just want them, that's all. Yes, I believe there was a blueprint of Mr. Dalling at the time of the castle. You'll find it in the great hall inscribed in the wall next to the portrait of the first Earl of Harcourt. Thank you. Where do you... What is your reason for wanting to see the fans? Why don't you come with me, Sam Denning? When we get back to the castle, I'll show you what I mean. What do you see? Right here. Just as I thought. There's an entrance marked in our bedroom, but there's no doorway. And they're here, right here. Right by the fireplace here in this hall. There's another entrance mark. There's no entrance with a fireplace or doorway. No entrance that we can see, Sundanning. But uh, perhaps one that we can't see. Come on. Do you believe there's a secret doorway and a secret passage here in this castle? I'm inclined to believe that, yes. Now, here's the fireplace, from Denning. I'm willing to bet my life that we'll find a secret door here. I wouldn't want to take that wager, of course. Perhaps yours. Where should we begin? Uh, try some of the stones on the fireplace. Maybe they'll be loose. All right. I wonder what they say if they saw me now. Now that my hands and knees looking for a secret passageway. They'd probably laugh. I can't find any stones that are loose. Yeah, what about these little decorative knobs it's along the top of the mantel? Let's try those. Good idea. Hello, what's this? What have you found? These knobs are loose. It doesn't fit in, however. Try uh, pulling it. Capital idea. Now, pull it. Why, look to me. The whole back wall of the fireplace swung up. What do you intend doing now? Getting a flashlight and taking a look at what's behind that wall. I'll go with you. Good. I'll get a flashlight. One of the servants probably have not I'll be right back. Let's go. What's your head, Genski? Ah, don't worry. It's pretty clever putting the secret door on the back of the fireplace. It's dark in here. Better use your torch. Now what? Your flashlight. Oh. There. Yeah. Yes, that's much better. Well, there's a stairway going up and a stairway going down. What shall it be? Better we go down. All right. Let's go. <laughs> it's rather dusty in here. Oh, yes, it is. I don't believe that anyone's been up or down these stairs in decades. It's covered with dust. I wonder who the last person was to know about this passageway. I don't know. I do know your uncle didn't. I expected to find footsteps on these stairs. Oh, why? I don't know. Oh, here's the bottom. They seem to be in a large underground chamber. Well, let's take a look. There's a large box in the center there. Perhaps we'd better go back. No. I want to see what's down here. Maybe Charlie. Maybe. It looks like a, a coffin. There seems to be some light in there. Turn your light in the section there. What's that? Let's see now. All right, what does it say? It's rather difficult to make it out. Here lie the earthly remains of A.M.M. 
Until then. She was burned to stake in the year 1770 for being a witch. And the story you told me was true. Of course it was. Think I was trying to do, frighten you away, so that I could say That's what I thought. You're quite right. Yeah. Where did you get that gun? I had it in my pocket, Mr. Dent. You were trying to frighten us away. That's correct, Mr. Dent. Sure, there's no specter of Dentsman Castle. At least not a joke. I discovered this passageway quite some time ago. Just as you did. I never had a occasion to come down here, Mr. Dentsman. Had we gone up there, you would have seen the girl's footprints in the dust. I hired one of the first years That's why I suggested we come down, sir. Anyway, going up. Leads to your bedroom, Mr. Dentsman. What are you going to do? Kill you. Right, sir. Your wife doesn't know about the strategy, does she? No, I... Yes, she does, Quindling. Your first answer was correct, Jensen. She doesn't know. I'm going to kill you and leave you down there. And then I'm sure I'll be able to dispose of your wife. You two were the last barriers in my way, Jensen. Now nothing stands in my way. I will be the new owner of Jensen Castle. And you killed my uncle. Correct. Quite simply, quite I thought for a while you'd be far more difficult than you were. I knew you were suspicious, but you played right into my hands. And now, Mr. Jensen, we can have you on your end. Will you turn around? I guess I have no other alternative, but... What's the matter? There's, there's something in back of you. You think I'm a fool, then? Sing that line without the key to destroy. I'm serious, Quindary. There's something in back of you. I don't believe you. turned and ran. For something had been in back of Anthony Trinden. Rainflight, horrible to behold, seeming to float upon the air. It enveloped him. And I heard him scream. That was when I ran. Since that time, we've sold them some castle and the estate and returned to this country. I will never forget what I saw in the subterranean chamber beneath the castle. I shall never forget the sight of the specter of Benson. So runs tonight's tale of the unusual, the terrifying, the unknown. Join us again when next we journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy to hear another strange tale of the supernatural. All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. You're listening to the Golden Age of Radio Theater. If your air conditioning isn't keeping... Thank you all for joining me for our special episode tonight. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off. Good night, everyone. <laughs>